0: Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keen, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keen. Okay,
1: now we're live. We're good. Technology works. We are live. All right, Parker's MMA Show, episode 40. Me and my co-captain, Billy here about to bring the heat so before we get into it like always like subscribe share all that good stuff and we'll keep it rolling so billy episode 40 let's get right into it and let's talk about your favorite fight of the year uh jessica and cynthia calvillo so i'm gonna let you cover that one because i snoozed through that
0: So all dozen of us that watched this fight uh, watched uh, Cynthia Calvillo dominate Jessica I for 25 minutes. So, Parker, I think the question here is, does Cynthia Calvillo get this next title shot at 125?
1: I don't think so. I, I think you go with JoJo Calderwood and you give Cynthia Calvillo the winner of that fight, which I think we both know whoever fights Valentina next is getting sacrificed. We've said that many, many times, and I'm going to stick to my guns on that one. I don't think it matters who she fights next unless that name is Amanda Nunez.
0: I think she's getting the next shot. I think Calvillo's getting in there against the Russian spy. I think, uh, you know, she's already beaten Joanne Calderwood once. She's, you know, basically undefeated. I mean, um... You know, uh,
1: one loss to one Carl, loss, the Cookie Monster.
0: Split decision, though, right? Um, unanimous. OK, well, but that was back in
1: 2017. Anyway. And then she had a didn't she have a long layoff with the drug
0: suspension? Yeah, marijuana positive test.
1: Yeah, I was very, very high on her probably around the time she fought Yoan, or JoJo Calderwood. Um, but I, I think she still won, by the way. You know one more dominant win at that weight class and then i think yeah she's undeniable to fight valentina but
0: yeah one more for me um so what do you think chukagian blonde fighter against Talbio? yeah you like yeah that I, fight? I
1: like i like that because i think blonde fighters what number the technically the number one contender and she just had a, a nice win herself so yeah I, I think you match those two up and then you have jojo calderwood fight for the title Um, All right, let me ask you this. Out of JoJo Calderwood and Cynthia, who stylistically has the best chance at competing or beating Valentina?
0: For me, it's not even a question. Like, I think Valentina absolutely smokes Joanne Calderwood. I think uh, Cynthia Calvillo's wrestling is so good that, like, I think for at least parts of that fight, it will have to be a grind. Like, that's not going to be an exciting fight, Shevchenko against Calvillo, but... I just think she has that wrestling. She has that grinding style. She, you know, I think she could take Valentina down. I think she's going to be really hard to take down. I think she's going to be frisky when the fight hits the floor. Whereas Calderwood's going to try and strike with maybe the best striker in women's MMA.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I don't see any chance of either of these girls beating Valentina period. Uh, I think Valentina could probably finish both of them as well. Um, All right, so the next question, does this kind of delay the inevitable super fight between Valentina and Amanda Nunes in the trilogy bout?
0: No, because I just don't think Amanda Nunes is that motivated to do that trilogy bout. Uh, You know, she's already won twice. You know, she's kind of said, like, I think she's going to be kind of holding out for more money here. That's certainly what it seems like. So uh i think amanda nunez is holding up that trilogy i don't think there's any contender at 125 that's holding up that trilogy
1: yeah i agree um i think we talked about this on the last show but amanda nunez is about to have a baby or maybe had one already uh with her partner so i i assume she's going to be out at least six months or so you know as they kind of raise their newborn um I, I think it's a perfect time for Valentina to just go on a murder streak, and just, you know, just put like a two, two to three, just vicious KO win streak together. And that builds that fight tremendously. And you can do that in the you know first, second quarter of 2021. And I think that's a gigantic fight that could headline a pay-per-view. So um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think anyway, you You cut it. I I still think Valentina has one or two more fights before she gets that trilogy with Amanda. So that card kind of sucked to be honest. And we kind of called it awful. Yeah. awful. What a slog
0: of a card. It was terrible.
1: I know you were probably tuned into the entire card from start to finish, but I passed on that one. You know, that was kind of a snoozer. All right, let's move on to, um, Curtis blades versus Volkov. Um, what did you think of Curtis Blades' performance?
0: I thought he was great. I thought he was really dominant. I mean, he, he whooped Alexander Volkov for 25 minutes, who's a de facto top 10 heavyweight, if not a top 5 heavyweight. And, like, I didn't find that fight to be competitive at all. Um, Curtis Blades just ragdolled him
1: yeah i mean i think he went out there and did exactly what he had to do that's how you have to fight volkov obviously volkov's a great striker but like you said i mean curtis blades ragdolled him he hurt him on the feet you know he basically beat him down for four rounds he got he got a little dicey towards the end when he started to get tired i I think he almost did he set the record for most takedowns in a heavyweight fight or did he tie it i know he was close i believe so yeah, so I think Kane Velasquez has previously had like 11 takedowns in a heavyweight fight. And I I want to say, I know for a fact he tied it. I, I think he ended up passing it, which was pretty amazing. But um, yeah, Curtis Blades, to me, is the real deal. I, I think that solidifies that he's a top three fighter in the world right now. He's right up there with Francis DC and um, Stipe. So yeah, big win for him. Um, what did you think about Dana's comments afterwards?
0: I didn't really understand it. Like Dana kinda said like Curtis has a bad attitude and you know, Curtis, you know, when you talk shit like he did, you have to go out and whoop someone's ass. Like I thought Curtis did whoop Volkov's ass. Like I said earlier. Like I I think that was as dominant a performance as I've seen. I mean, no, he didn't finish him, but like like it wasn't a competitive fight to we'll let him dance around that cage and and strike with you. So, you know, I, I didn't really get it. I think it's probably because Curtis has been pretty outspoken about, you know, not getting what he's worth and not feeling like the organization values him and things like that. So I thought that's where Dan where Dana's comments were coming from. What, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I didn't have that big of an issue with it. I mean, it he's Curtis blades is in a really tough spot and we're going to talk about this next, but it's like, yeah, you had a dominant win against Volkov, but You know, I think a lot of people expected that and I don't really know where he goes from here because he's, you know, he's been knocked out twice by Francis. We don't know what's going to happen with DC and Stipe. So we we talked about this last week. You know, Francis is pretty much on the shelf until the title fight happens. What do you do with Curtis Blades next?
0: I, I have wanted the Derek Lewis against Curtis Blades fight forever. Like that has been on my radar for a very long time. So I'm really hoping that Lewis gets past Alexi Olenek and can fight Curtis Blades. But if Olenek beats uh, Derek Lewis, I'm also interested in the Blades-Olenek fight because two ground guys like that. I mean, Olenek can submit guys from the bottom, no problem. So I think that's kind of an interesting matchup, too. But my number one pick would be Derek Lewis against Curtis Blades. I think that's an awesome fight.
1: And when do those guys fight? That's not for a month or so, right? Derek Lewis and uh, Olenek?
0: I, I thought it was in either late July or early August. I'd have to check.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I can see that. But I, I think Curtis Blades is where at number four, and then you've got Francis at three. You've got uh, DC at one and Steve of champ. So, you know, and, and Steep or Francis has knocked him out twice. That's really, I think that's his only two losses, right? The two knockout losses to yeah. Francis. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Heavyweight's weird right now until you see what happens with this heavy with the title fight. I mean it's it's weird right now. I don't know kind of what you make of it. So um yeah, for me, you know, I, I don't think I said I would like to see Blades call out he should have got on the mic and called out Francis. Because Francis is the only guy in the top five that doesn't have a fight. And I do think that Curtis Blades has the skills to beat Francis. He could do what Stipe did to Francis, you know. If not more so, his wrestling is very, very dominant. He's just gotta find a way to get out of that first round and not get knocked out. So
0: I Nobody's I, doing that to Francis anymore, though, Parker. This is a different Francis. I, don't know. I think we both agree agree there too. Like, nobody's gonna see Bay Francis. No wrestling. Like, I, I just don't see it. I mean, maybe it happens, but I, I think this is like a whole new guy. I would be terrified to fight francis and ganu if i'm literally anyone at this point
1: but i my point is if you're curtis blades you're complaining about your pay call out francis he's the hottest commodity in the heavyweight division right now if not what are you going to do sit on the shelf for eight months you know there's no one else to fight in the top five so i don't know i would have liked to see him get a little more aggressive on that call out just because he's got the two losses to him there's a storyline there and really that's the only fight to keep both of those guys busy if not they're just playing a waiting game. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what's next with him. Um, for Volkov, where do you think he goes from here?
0: I, I love the Alistair Overeem fight for mm-hmm. Volkov. That was booked previously, and Volkov had a bow out. It was supposed to be in, in Moscow, Russia. I really love that fight. I think it's two guys who will put on a really technical kickboxing match, yeah. and, and I think it'd be really exciting.
1: That's the one I had. I had Alistair Overeem as my a you know first choice. I think I agree. I think it's just a fun kickboxing match, just like a basically a glory kickboxing fight. Um, and then Rosenstroik would be fun too. Rosenstroik versus Volkov. Um, he's obviously coming off that quick knockout to Francis, but I think he'd be willing to get back in there pretty quick. And I also think Volkov would probably be willing to get back in there pretty quick. He didn't necessarily take a shit ton of damage. So I could see him getting back in there in August, September or something, and that those are both good fights to keep that division rolling. So um, let's move on. Next, the fight of the night. This was a great, great fight. Shane Burgos and Josh Emmett absolutely went to war. Um, where do you stack this up as, you know, in the fight of the Year contention right now?
0: Uh, nothing like it would be nearly impossible to top Wiley Zhang against uh, Joanna Jernjic for yeah, me. I mean, I that agree. to me I is agree. one of the best MMA fights of all time. Period. Um, that was just amazing. I think Felder Hooker is really close, and probably I give it the nod because the stakes were much higher than right. this one.
1: Right. But
0: this is this is if not number two, this is solidly number three fight of the year for me.
1: Yeah, I think you and I are kind of on the same page. Um my current top 5 is Wei Ling Zhang versus Joanna. That's hands down like you say top, you know, number 1 fight of the year. Uh 2 was also Ferguson or sorry, Felder versus Hooker. That was an incredible fight. Uh, my number 3 was Justin versus Tony. And then I I think you can fit this fight right in there at number 4. Um this was a really fun fight. And from the jump, I I saw it when he you know, he I think he hyperextended his knees somehow, like he landed on it weird or something. But when he kind of limped and grabbed it, I was like, he's got a torn ACL, 100%. I said, it. and Everyone I was watching the fights with are like, no, no way he's got a torn ACL. And you couldn't really... Like, it wasn't as noticeable as you would think it would be with a torn ACL, the way he fought. I mean, it seemed like he could do pretty much everything. I, You know, when he took a couple of those uh, inside leg kicks, you could see his... Knee buckle a little bit, but what about the toughness of Josh Emmett? I mean, that was just incredible for an older guy, too. What's What's Josh Emmett
0: like? Thirty five. He's like thirty five years old. Let me yeah. read you the list of injuries. Here. Yeah, read them off. It's complete crazy, ACL, crazy. Complete ACL tear, MCL sprain with partial tearing, Baker cyst rupture, focal implant impact fracture fracture of the femur and a chondral defect cartilage on the tibia that laterally matched the impact area. His leg was destroyed Mangled. in yeah. round one, and that guy just kept winging bombs, kept coming after Shane Burgos. I mean, what a fight. What toughness. Um, I mean, this, this guy, Josh Emmett, I mean, he, he had the orbital fracture against Jeremy State- Stevens, where his whole face got broke. And he's still out here fighting. I mean, he, yeah. this guy's an animal.
1: Shane Burgo's very tough as well. He, he kind of reminds me of a smaller Nico Price. He kind of fights similar. He fights like he's a... I was calling him while I was watching. I was like, this dude fights like he's a pirate. It's so weird. He's so loose and so weird. And I don't know. He just fights very strange. But that guy's tough as shit. He was taking some bombs to the chin. And he was just walking straight through him. So, yeah, for me, that, that was... That was awesome that I think for sure that'll go down as a top five fight this year Um, for Josh Emmett, you know, where do you think he goes from here? Because we this is a guy that we've seen, you know, he's getting older, but we've seen him make a run towards that title recently, and he kind of came up short. But um, where do you think he goes from here?
0: I mean, the challenge for Josh Emmett, right, is not just that he's gonna be out for a while. It's that the guys above him kind of have natural fits, right? You know, I think we're gonna, you know, we obviously booked the Volkanovski Holloway rematch. I think we're gonna end up booking Ortega against Korean Zombie, yeah. And I think we're gonna end up booking Zabit against Yair, and that kind of leaves Josh. That's Emmett booked. you know that?
1: You know that's booked, right?
0: beat against Yair. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's booked. That got booked last week. That's going to be freaking awesome. I think it's uh, one of the fight island so, fights.
0: So with that with that in mind, like there's not a lot of guys above him to fight, but he was once booked against Arnold Allen, who's kind of that rising British prospect. I would love to see that fight. I think that's a really good fight. And I think Emmett's going to be out a little bit, and he's going to lose a little bit of momentum, but I would love to see him fight Arnold Allen. I think that's the perfect fight for him right now.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I had I had really anyone in the top kind of 7 to 10, which Josh Emmett going into that fight was number 10. So number 7, you've got Frankie Edgar, who's coming off of two losses, um, but a huge name. Um, you've got Dan Ige, who's got three wins in a row. Looked, I thought he looked really good against Edson Barboa, so you didn't... You weren't too high on him. Uh, Jeremy Stevens got two losses in a row, but fun fight, you know, big name. So that's kind of the range that I'm thinking for Josh Emmett. Like you said, after that, um, you know, Calvin Cater, Yair Rodriguez, Zabit, Korean Zombie, Max Holloway, Volkanovsky, all those guys are booked. Why is Brian Ortega not in the top 10 on the rankings?
0: I have no idea. I have no idea how the UFC rankings work. I'll be honest with you
1: i'm looking at this i'm like who is missing and brian Ortega's not even on here but when you get down to number 52 our boy spark carlisle's there so just just keep a lookout all right um so yeah that was a great fight let's get into the max you're gonna have to help me with this eastern european name
0: you can do it parker i believe you we took rock
1: rock shop puff I've been watching a lot of Hunters, so I'm getting a little better with Jewish and Eastern European names. But, um, (laughs) yeah, this was, this was, I don't know, this is, to me, I'm going to be fucking flat out. If we're not in Corona era, this is a non-story to me. I I think this happens a lot more than we know. And the corners kind of walk, you know, work through it, obviously. Billy, you just tell us kind of everything that happened, and then we'll dive into it.
0: So Max Roxpoff is a former ACC champion wrestler. He's 5-0, or was 5-0 MMA, making his UFC debut. He, I thought, really beat up Austin Hubbard in the first round. Um, And then in the second, he very clearly starts to gas out. And he comes over his corner and he says to his coach, Robert Drysdale, call it, call it over and over and over again. And Robert basically tries to hump him up. He says, you don't want to lose. You're a champion, um, you know, all this stuff. And then when the, when the cor- uh, referee comes over to get him off the stool to start the third round, um, he looks at Max and says, you can't, like, you can't get up. And Drysdale says he wants to call it. And so the ref calls it.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's the most blatant, you know, just fighters basically just quitting on the stool saying that they don't have it. And I've never seen anything like that. And like I said, kind of an intro, I think it's because, you know, in the the Corona era, we have access to hear more up close and personal interactions between the fighter and the corner. I just think.
0: Well, I think we have to also talk about like where you know what kind of situation this was, right? Max Roxpoff has had six total MMA fights right before this, right? And he takes he's a fight on, fight on five short days notice, moves. yeah. You know he yeah. knows he knows that he's not the best version of himself in there at that moment, and. Drysdale is is literally trying to just pump him up and get his adrenaline going a little bit because the way he sees it, his fighter's just tired. And and he wants to let him know that like he is doing better than he realizes in there, even if it doesn't feel like it to Max. That's what I got out of it. And then as soon as the cornerman comes over, Drysdale doesn't argue. Drysdale doesn't try and like, you know, make him get back out there. He just says he wants to call it. That's it. Like I don't see the controversy here. I'm with you. I think I think this is a, a situation that and we'll get into this, but this is getting way too common in MMA. Like where, you know, there's all the amateur coaches and cornermen uh on Twitter, on Facebook, you know, talking about this. And I, I just think they don't know the fighter as well as they think they do.
1: I agree. And I mean, as a trainer, that's your job is to keep the fighter motivated through the entire fight. You go through a, you know, three or five round fight. I mean, you go on a emotional roller coaster throughout that fight. You know, I've, I've heard, you know, Justin Gaethje talk about, you know, before with he wanted to throw in the towel, you know, in some of his early fights and He had Trevor Whitman in his corner that talks him through the emotions and it's just that's a lot thrown at you and you're fighting on the biggest stage in the world on five days notice. You know, it's a lot. So I I agree with you. I I don't think the cornerman did anything wrong. You know, I think he was very calm, talked his fighter through the situation. And then at the end of the day, he didn't let him go out to fight.
0: Here's the thing, Parker. Here's what everyone seems to forget about this sport. You're in a cage fight. This is dangerous. This is a dangerous sport. You're gonna end up with permanent damage from this sport if you do it at the professional level, no matter how successful you are. We've seen it over the entire course of history of this sport. That's the reality. And every round, every second that you're in that cage, you are risking someone separating you from your consciousness someone injuring you, ripping a limb off, choking you unconscious, whatever it is, that's the sport. That's the sport that we're involved in. And so for people to come out there and say, like, how could he not stop the fight? His fighter wanted to quit, this, that, and the other thing. he's Robert Drysdale is sitting there thinking, OK, I know Max realizes that he's not himself during this fight, and he probably thinks he's losing a lot worse than he is. And he he's able to make that call, and ultimately he doesn't make the guy get back out there. Even though I think we've seen situations in the past couple of weeks, even where guys who were much more beaten down, much more tired, with you know much more of a risk of taking permanent damage than Max was, get out there. I mean, Anthony Smith comes to mind. Um, you know, Tony Ferguson got destroyed against Justin Gaethje. Yeah, that, in the that, later rounds, and that's that's a big that. one. No,
1: no one makes anything out of that. of hey, the like that fight, they could have thrown in the towel in the third round. Tony Ferguson was getting battered so bad. So, yeah, I I don't know. In in my mind, Robert Drysdale's he's a very very seasoned coach. I mean, he's trained Forrest Griffin, Frank Mir, Randy Couture. Dan Hardy, Joanna. I mean, some of the toughest, you know, some of the best fighters ever. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. He's not like, you know, he he came from, you know, the streets and he's training this guy in the UFC this week. And this guy's been around forever and he's a fighter himself. So he knows what goes on in the mind of a fighter throughout fights like this. And like I said, this guy's, you know, 25 years old. He's five and one. Was this too soon to be on this kind of stage? Maybe, maybe, but you know, you want
0: to get mad at someone, get mad at the UFC. The UFC threw a guy in there with six total fights on a short notice fight against the guy who had, you know, 20 plus fights as a pro. You want to get mad at someone, get mad at the matchmakers for throwing Max Roxpoff to the the wolves too early. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: Um, For Max, you know, we've seen this a lot. You know, these up-and-coming fighters come in here and, you know, they're undefeated and then they lose dominantly. Um, In Max's case, you know, he basically quit on the stool on national television during corona when all eyes and ears are on him. Um, For As a young fighter, how do you get past that mentally? Because I would imagine that's got to be a big, big mental hurdle to overcome you know moving forward in his career
0: you got to tell yourself that you were just not yourself on that night that that was just not the best version of you and there's a good argument for it right it's your UFC debut it's on short notice like it's certainly not the ideal situation for him to take that fight so you got to remind yourself that when you're at full strength you probably still beat that guy you know so I think I, Max is a seasoned competitor. I mean, this guy was an unbelievable wrestler in the ACC. Um, he, he'll come back. He'll bounce back from this. He's lost, he's lost matches before. Um, and and I, think, I think he'll be back. I think this will make him a better fighter. I think it'll make him a smarter fighter. I think it'll make him smarter about his career. And, you know, I, I'm excited to see him fight again. I'm still, I still have really high hopes for him as a prospect.
1: Well, and he gets a taste of what the level of competition is at the UFC. I mean, it's a huge step up from any amateur, not amateur, but regional circuits you're fighting on or whatever. It's a real deal. And anyone on that roster is going to be a tough out. So, you know, I, I think I agree with you. He's going to take this as a learning lesson. He's a young kid. He's got a high ceiling. I, I think he'll be back, you know, and we'll see him down the road. But um, what – other kind of situations can you compare this to and you know the ones that come to my mind right off the top of my head that are worst would be like you know anthony smith i thought that was a way worse beating um tony ferguson i thought that was a way worse beating um i think it was was it rocky pennington that was getting just obliterated by amanda by amanda nunez and basically did the same thing quit on the stool and was like i don't want to go back out there And her coach actually made her go back out there and she ended up losing anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, and then the other one that I think comes to mind for me is like Felicia Spencer. Everyone was saying that they should have stopped that fight. Corner should have stopped that fight. Why'd you let her go back out there? And the point that we talked about is like, that's her shot. That's her chance. Like in a world title fight, like she may never get that again. Like if someone were robbed us of our dream, like, and, you know, we never got that again. You'd never forgive that. A per- You'd never forgive that person. So I, I think people need to think about that more and consider, you know, when these fighters get in there, you know, they're they're knowingly taking this risk. And the other thing is, nobody's giving Drysdale credit for he called it. He did call it like and, and it ended. And I, I don't understand where the controversy is. Like, if you want if, if you want to get mad that Max quit on his on the stool, I think you're wrong, but that's a legitimate argument to me. There's no argument to me that Drysdale did the wrong thing here.
1: No, I I agree. I, I think everything's just heightened in this new Corona presentation. It's just so in your face. Like you know, the violence, the shots, the sounds, everything. The corner, you know, battle back and forth between every corner. Everything's just right there in front of you. And I think everyone just doesn't realize how violent and brutal and savage the sport can be. You know, and I, I think you're getting a basically unfiltered vantage point of it right now. And it's you see a lot of stuff like this. But I, I think a lot this stuff goes on a lot more than we know. I bet every UFC card's got something similar to this. Um but we just don't hear it because the crowd's going crazy and you don't get full coverage of the first fight on the prelims corner cams, you know? So, um, yeah, to me, I I don't see this. I think the corner did the right thing. I think the media is blowing it out of proportion, and I think this Max kid will be back to fight another day. Um, Any last words on that? Yeah. All right, let's move on. The crafty veteran... Jim Miller, man, he he looked freaking awesome. Jim Miller, 37 years old now, just tied Cowboy Cerrone for most appearances in the UFC at 35 and moved himself up to third place um, in the win category just behind Cowboy Cerrone and Damian Maya. This is another dude that is just father time is not fucking with good old American Jim Miller yet. He's still doing the damn thing, and he's looking... You know, really good. He's still getting wins in high-level fights.
0: This guy is a personal hero of mine. He's, you know, he walks out to Queen. He looks like he's having the best time in the world. He's got a million kids. He's a he great bow his hunter. He brews beer. Great bow hunter. He had Lyme's disease. Did that derail his UFC career? Absolutely not. No He's chance. still out here doing the damn thing. 37 years old. Looks like he's somebody's dad at the cookout but he's ripping arm bars on national TV. It yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. I love Jim Miller. Yeah, and
1: got paid $280,000 to go in there and work. What's his name? Roosevelt Roberts. You know, Roosevelt Roberts, he looked really good. He was, that was the same guy that fought Brock Weaver, right? A couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Choked him yep. unconscious. Yep.
1: All right. That's our guy, Jim Miller. Um, to me, he had a great performance. He, he had a bonus on that card, right? I think he got a $50,000 bonus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: He looked great. Jim, um, you want to come on the podcast? You want to have dinner with us? You stay at my house. Whatever you want, Jim. You're the man.
1: I may be able to line that up through my bow hunting buddies. Um, mean Bobby Green. That's his nickname, right? Had a, with all the craziness going I thought it was on.
0: King, I thought it was Bobby King Green. Bobby King Green.
1: My bad. I'm thinking me, Mean Joe Green. Um, All right, Bobby Green, with all the craziness, racism, chaos, all the shit that's going on in our world, I thought this was really cool. This was kind of a heartwarming moment in Savage Cage fighting. So, hell yeah, well said. I mean, Bobby Green.
0: Here's, Here's the thing, Parker. Here's the beauty of MMA. Here's why I love this sport. Every person on this earth Race, creed, color, sexual orientation, gender, it don't matter. We've both been in gyms. We've both sparred people. Every person can kick your ass. That's the facts. And you know what? When you get in there and you go to war with someone and you really duke it out, you know what you do after, after every single time I've ever had a hard round with someone? You hug that shit out. Every time. You leave, you give a part, a part of yourself to that person and it's all love. So I love that message from Bobby Green, that in a sport so violent, so born out of conflict, he comes out and he says what everyone who practices these sports knows, it's that this is a sport about love, and that we need to fight love or hate with love in this world. And I absolutely love that out of Bobby Green. I think he's an absolute inspiration.
1: All right, if we don't see Billy back next week, he's going to be a preacher, so... He may get recruited by some (laughs) mega church, but that, yeah, no, that was awesome. Bobby green. You're the man. You can definitely come on the podcast whenever you want. All right. So that was it for that card. Um, let's move on to this weekend's card. I'm really, really excited for this. A big, big high stakes fight at lightweight. You've got Dustin Poirier making his return coming off that loss to Khabib Armageddon And then you've got Dan, the hangman hooker, coming off a brutal war with Paul Felder, and these two are going to clash at 155. Um, Billy, initial thoughts on this fight.
0: Here's my thing, man, and, and I don't think Hooker showed it against Felder, but like, if you don't play really good defense, it, it is really hard to beat Dustin Poirier. I mean, that guy can hit you with any variety of weapons. He's brutal on the ground. He's brutal on the feet he's a power puncher, you know, he has no problem getting into the deep waters. And and that's what I'm watching for is like has Hooker improved enough defensively that he can actually pick apart Dustin Poirier? <laughs> Cuz Poirier usually loses to really technical strikers or unbelievable wrestlers. And Hangman is not a wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah,
1: I I agree. Um this is a huge fight, obviously. Dan Hooker's been on the rise. Dustin Poirier has been around the top five for the last couple of years, uh, just coming off a title shot. So um, in your mind, what is the significance of this fight? Is this a number one contender fight at 155?
0: I think it is for Dan Hooker. I really do. I I think if Dan Hooker wins this fight, he's getting a title shot next. Um, You know, Connor's the obvious, you know, monkey wrench in it, but, I think we've seen Dana White get stubborn before with Conor. And so I I think we could see potentially like a Gilbert Burns situation where, you know, Dana's basically like, I'm not going to kowtow to Conor and, you know, start and says like hooker one, he's, he's up next if he wins. And I think the, the loser of this fight is getting Charles Oliveira, no matter who it is.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. I I think the winner of the Justin Gaethje Khabib fight is getting Connor, no matter what. I I don't care what happens. I I just think that's the next fight. Um, I think the winner, the stakes for this, the winner is going to get Tony. Tony's going to be wanting to get back in there, right back in the mix, and either of these two guys fighting Tony Ferguson, sign me the fuck up. Sign me the fuck up. Um, so yeah, I I, I don't think. This is a number one contender fight, but it's a great fight and a great matchup stylistically. Um, I think the loser of this gets, like you said, Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira is a guy that I think he's probably yours and my dark horse in this division, especially if Khabib's not there. If Khabib's not there, Charles Oliveira may slice through this whole division. So, um, yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Um, So for Dustin... He's coming off a devastating loss to Khabib. You know, I I think he put all of his eggs in in the basket for that fight. He was, you know, just had it in his mind that he was going to be UFC champ. And he had an off night and, I mean, really kind of got dominated. He caught Khabib in, what did he catch him in a guillotine? And then he hit him with one big shot. But besides that, Khabib pretty much dominated the fight. Um, and then he, he had a major hip surgery, I think like six or eight months ago. So he's been rehabbing for that. Where do you think Dustin Poirier is right now?
0: I mean, he was really anxious to get out there as soon as quarantine started. And so like, I have to think a guy like Poirier, he's been in this game a long time. He knows his body really well. I have to think he's a hundred percent with how badly he wanted to fight.
1: I agree. I think mentally, physically, everything Dustin Poirier is ready to go. I, I I think he thinks in his mind he's still the best fighter in the world, which at any given day, I mean he can be. So,
0: and don't forget, don't forget after that Khabib fight, both him and Khabib in the post-fight press conference said if just if Dustin Poirier jumped guard on that guillotine, that was tight and he might have tapped Khabib or put him to sleep. So, I I think he was as close to beating Khabib as anyone since T Tebow.
1: Yeah. No, 100%. Um, All right. So how do you see... The way I see this is basically Dustin's seasoned veteran. He's fought everyone at 145. He's fought everyone at 155. He's got a huge advantage in the experience department. He's kind of seen it all, done it all. Um, for Dan Hooker, you know, he's a guy on the rise. He's got some nice wins, but nowhere near the caliber of wins as Dustin Poirier. What in your mind do you see as both guys' best wins?
0: For Poirier, it has to be the Justin Gaethje win. I mean, first of all, that is that is another one of my favorite fights of all time. That was my 2018 fight of the year. Um, but... Dustin just took abuse from Justin Gaethje in the leg kicks and kept coming forward, kept coming forward, kept coming forward, and eventually got the knockout in the in the later rounds. Um, for Hooker, I think his most recent win against Paul Felder is probably his best win. Um, yeah, that was the most impressive I've seen him. But I, I think Hooker's still kind of an unproven commodity in a lot of ways, whereas. Poirier, we've seen him against the best, and against everyone except Khabib, he's come out the other side of it. I mean, you think about the Holloway fight, um, you know, you think about, you know, some of the, you know, the the Anthony Pettis fight. Eddie um, Alvarez fights. Eddie Alvarez. I mean, he has really beaten a murderer's row, and Hooker's beaten some really tough competition. But that's a big jump from Paul Felder to Justin Gaethje.
1: That's that's kind of my concern is, you know, like we said, Dustin's fought everyone. He's been around, what, since he was 19 years old. Um, he's fought everyone. The, the biggest win that Hooker has is Paul Felder, which Paul Felder's a tough go for anyone, I think, in the top 10. Uh, just a tough, solid guy. Um, we Everyone kind of forgets that... Dan Hooker KO'd Gilbert Burns at 155 back in 2008, 18, and you see the run that Gilbert Burns gone on, has gone on. So that's something to look at. Um, outside of that, I mean, he has he had a unanimous decision win against Raging Al, and that's really it. You know, I I, I think Dustin's got a huge advantage here. If this goes late, um, what? What style, what do you think is the best style for Dan Hooker to beat Dustin Poirier?
0: I think, I think Dan Hooker, in order to beat Dustin Poirier, has got to get into a war. I think it's got to be an absolute war. It's got to be back and forth. Um, and he's really got to, got to dig in, and he's going to have to eat one to throw one. hope that his power is more than Poirier's, or that Poirier's body starts to break down. Because I think Poirier has the advantage on the ground. I think in a technical battle, like he uh, is able to kind of, you know, out tough uh, Hooker. You know, Hooker's not really, again, not great defensively. He's not going to dance around. He's not going to point fight you. He has to make this a brawl, and and that's kind of, you know, then it becomes a coin flip to me if it's a brawl, which is Dan Hooker's best chance.
1: Yeah, the only only path to victory for me for Dan Hooker is. You know, Dustin's hurting him early and starts head hunting, which he'll do. You know, you've seen him get in those fights with like Max when he was he was he was not worried about getting knocked out by Max Holloway. He was just head hunting, head hunting. I think he threw like ninety percent of his strikes to the head against Max Holloway. Um, but if he gets into kind of gets that confident and starts coming forward. He has a tendency to start throwing these winding hooks when he's trying to put you away. I worry about him walking onto a knee from Dan Hooker. And you've seen Dan Hooker knock out um, Ross Pearson, like viciously with just a straight up the middle knee um, or an uppercut. But outside of that, I I don't see a lot that Dan Hooker brings to the table right now that Dustin Poirier hasn't seen or hasn't beat. So for me in this fight, I think it's going to be a fun fight. I think stylistically, this is one of those fights like, you know, like we said with Justin and Tony, this is a fight that just can't suck. It's not going to suck. It's going to be awesome. Um, but I think that experience and just the resiliency and all the hours and Time that Dustin's been in that octagon is going to get the job done for him. Um, I'm going with a fourth round finish, Dustin Poirier. Um, I actually think that this fight is going to be very similar to his fight with Justin Gaethje. I do. I I see this as kind of like a back and forth war and I think Dustin's going to be able to outlast uh, Dan Hooker and Dustin really carries that power throughout his power never fades and he's consistent with it and he's ruthless with it. So I I think it's going to be a really fun fight, but I got fourth round finish Dustin Poirier.
0: I'm going to take him by third round finish. I might be a little higher than on on Poirier than you are in this situation where I think that first round might be back and forth, but I think in the second and third, we see Poirier start to take over. I I think the book is out that, uh, you know, hooker is kind of susceptible to these body shots. I mean, the the famous example is watch uh, Ed Edson Barbosa. Oh my
1: God, that's brutal.
0: Um, but you know, Mike Brown and Dan Lambert are two of the best coaches in the game. You know, they're they're unbelievable with their film study. They're unbelievable with their game plans. And like you said, Poirier's kind of seen it all in there. So I I just have a lot more faith in him to implement a game plan and take out a guy like Dan Hooker. But I agree with you. There's no way this is a bad fight.
1: Yeah, I I do see that if it starts getting crazy, I I see Mike Brown calling for takedowns. You know, Dustin will start working in takedowns. If Dustin gets him down to the ground, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. His ground and pound is dirty. So, yeah, I I just see there's too many ways for Dustin to win, and I don't see him losing. And I do see him making another run at that title. You know, I, I think he was disappointed in his performance against Khabib and sign me up for Dustin Poirier versus Tony Ferguson. Please, that's a fucking incredible fight.
0: Yeah, I think there's a great argument that Dustin Poirier is the best lightweight outside of Habib right now.
1: Yeah, 100%. So the big spot for him, um, yeah, this is a big stage for him to make a big statement. Both these guys, really. But um, all right, so you and me are on the same page. Dustin Poirier there. All right, let's move on to... Probably the second weirdest guy in MMA. Platinum Mike Perry returns without the Platinum Princess. He's got a Burnett-haired princess now. Um, Mike Perry, weird, weird dude, taking on Mickey Gall, who's, you know, had a little bit of a weird career himself. But what are your initial thoughts on this?
0: Are you worried about Mike Perry? Because I'm starting to get worried. He fired all his coaches. He had the video where he's like all cut up and he's like fight still on. That was like a week ago. He's posting that on Twitter. You know, he's kind of like posting about this girl, the random girl all the time, you know, divorced from his wife, the platinum princess, like guy kind of seems like it's not all going great for him right now. I don't know. What do you think of that?
1: He's a weird dude. Mike Perry's a weird dude, but he's still a guy that. It's going to be hard for the UFC to cut him because he still puts on really, really fun fights. He's kind of... who Who's similar to that? That it's like you can win one, lose one, win two, lose two, and... I mean, kind of like Cowboy. He's kind of like a more ghetto Cowboy that I don't think anyone's going to call for Mike Perry to get cut if he takes his third Maybe loss like here.
0: like a Clay Guida?
1: Yeah, Yeah, like a Clay Guida. You're going to go in there, and it's going to be a fun fight. You can you know, throw him on the main event, put him up against someone fun. But yeah, I I think we've seen kind of the ceiling of Mike Perry. You know, I, I think two years ago at this time, I was a lot higher on Mike Perry. I thought he had a, you know, a chance to go on a run and maybe get up in the top five. But I don't think we see him popping back into the top 10 anytime soon. He's just He's too up and down with his training camp and his personal life and his craziness. I just I don't see it.
0: Well, how about this, Parker? I mean, everybody, everybody and their mother came out and blasted Diego Sanchez for Josh Fabia. Mike Perry is going to have his girlfriend as his lone cornerman. That's it. At least Josh Fabia coaches mar- martial arts. Like we have reached the new level of weird cornering.
1: She's gonna give him a over the shorts handy in between rounds. It's gonna get weird. It's gonna get weird. I can't wait for the interaction between him and his Instagram girlfriend who probably knows nothing about MMA. It's gonna be chaos. But that's why we hey, like do
0: they have a welterweight at Sarah Longo? Because my dream fight for COVID where we have, you know, we can hear both corners for every single fight. You have Mike Perry in one corner and then you have Sarah Longo in the other. So you have mike perry's girlfriend and then you have the other guys like come on Aljo, punch a hole in his chest Aljo. like <laughs> Matt, that's Sarah, what i want to see show us your
1: tits <laughs> i don't know it's gonna get crazy um uh what's his name raging owl will go up and fight him he did a grappling match with mike perry not too long ago and that afro he's got probably yeah, adds yeah. at least five
0: pounds Get Mike Perry move up to 85 and fight Weidman. Weidman can't take shots from real middleweights anymore. So have Mike Perry move up. And Mike fight Perry him. would
1: starch Chris Weidman right now.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't. What do you?
1: So that's kind of what we think about Mike Perry. What are your thoughts on Mickey Gal? I, I'm I
0: I'm impressed by Mickey Gal. I you know don't forget like this guy was a legitimate collegiate wrestler in the Big Ten who was in the UFC at 23 years old at one and and0 and had to kind of grow up on the biggest stage. And so I think like we forget about him cause he doesn't fight that often because of that. But, you know, I, I really think like this guy is around kind of the best of the best. He's learning from the best of the best. And, um, you know, I, I, I anticipate a lot of improvement out of him. I mean, I thought he looked way better in his last fight than he looked against Diego Sanchez.
1: Yeah, I mean, his his first fight in the UFC was Mike Jackson, who's the Bellator cameraman. The second one was CM Punk. Everyone knows what kind of shit show that was. And then he beat up, uh, he submitted Sage Northcutt, lost to Randy Brown, uh, beat George Sullivan, who I've never heard of. I think that's like a boxer from the 1800s. And then he lost to Diego Sanchez, where Diego Sanchez fucking dominated him. I think I might have been there for that one. That was in Las Vegas. Uh, Yeah, Diego Sanchez took him down and just ground and pounded the shit out of him. Is
0: that what happened? Yeah, and and Mickey Gall blamed it on a bad weight cut.
1: Yeah, and then Salim Torolini. I don't know who the fuck that is, but that was on the Colby covington Robbie Lawler fight, so he hasn't fought since August of 2019. Why is he not fighting?
0: I have no idea, but... You know what? I like him in this fight. Mickey Gall by decision.
1: No, can't do it, bro. We're going Mike Perry, second round KO. He's gonna do something crazy with his girlfriend in the celebration. Uh, look for weirdness. Mike Perry co-main event. He's a man. Um,
0: all right. Is he gonna do the chicken walk on the way in? You think? I sure hope What are the so. odds on that, Parker?
1: Have you ever seen? Have you seen the face-off with him and who? It was like a Korean guy or a Japanese guy. Where he he goes up like he's gonna you know square up to him and then just screams in his face fucking crazy. Mike Perry's the best. I love I love wheels off Mike Perry.
0: My uh, my favorite Mike Perry moment is after his UFC debut that Monday he got on the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani and he calls him up and says Mike how are you and he goes Ariel I just put 10k in my bank account and I got 10k in my pocket right. Right now.
1: <laughs> Good old platinum old Mike Perry. From Mike. Good old platinum <laughs> Mike Perry. All right. Uh, Billy's hardcore moment. Run over the other two fights you want to talk about on this card.
0: Uh, the, my sleeper for fight of the night is violent Bob Ross against Worthy. I think most UFC fans know violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena at this point. Great newly adopted redheaded stepchild of the Askrin clan. Oh my god, um, that
1: is bizarre.
0: And then, Worthy was, you know, had a really exciting first round KO in his last fight. Um, you know, he looks the part. You know, got the mohawk. He's shredded. You can see every muscle on his body. Um, I, I expect these guys to basically run to the middle of the cage and just keep swinging until somebody goes to sleep. So. I think that's an unbelievable fight. The other guy I'm I'm watching this week is Brendan Allen. He's a Dana White Contender Series product. He's fighting a guy by the name of Kyle Dawkins. He's unbelievable on the ground. He submitted Kevin Holland. He has another submission win in the UFC. Um, three and one, inc- including, the cont- and oh, including the Contenders or four and zero, including the Contender Series. Um, really impressive guy. So I'm excited to watch him.
1: All right, so let's jump into current events. Uh, John Jones apparently taking on Iron Mike Tyson. What's going on, Billy?
0: Um, There's a popular gif that floats around the internet of Michael Scott from the office just screaming no repeatedly. Uh, That is about how I feel about this situation. I don't know why we're talking about this, I don't know why this is being entertained by Mike Tyson and John Jones. I, I hate this idea. I would not watch this, and I watch every combat sporting event under the sun. Uh, I Let's be real. No you and I would watch Parker. it. What's going on? Here?
1: I don't know. They don't need to do this. Don't even talk about this. This is horrible. This is horrible. This is terrible. You have Mike Tyson, who's been retired for, what, 20 years, taking on the greatest MMA fighter of all time. Who cares? I no no no. If Mike Tyson wants to fight anyone, fight Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury. I'd have no interest in seeing him fight John Jones. I want to see John Jones fight Francis Ngannou. That's the boogeyman that he needs to fight.
0: No, here's the fight that needs to happen, Parker. Mike Tyson versus Henry Cejudo, boxing match.
1: Mike Tyson would fucking kill Henry Cejudo.
0: Tell me you wouldn't watch. Tell me you wouldn't watch.
1: I'd have to watch because you'd be fucking calling me (laughs) nonstop streaming this. Getting yourself (laughs) off to Henry Cejudo dying. So, no, I don't want to see any of this. I like him
0: now. I liked his appearance on Rogan. Cejudo was great on Rogan.
1: Why? Because he does mushrooms? All
0: right. Big, big hallucinogens guy, Henry Cejudo.
1: I'd hang out with him. I'd do drugs with him. He would be the annoying drug guy, though. I don't know how I'd feel about that. All right. Billy wants to talk about uh, retirement issues. So let's get into it. Go for it, Billy.
0: Well, Dana keeps bringing up Connor and Cejudo and acting like they're the same thing. So I wanted to break this down a little bit. So both of them want these opportunities that are not available right now. Cejudo says he wants the 145 title shot. Really, this is about money for Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo wants to make more money. If he made more money, he'd get in the cage against Peter Yan tomorrow. Conor McGregor just wants a title shot. Good with, good with his deal. Just wants a title shot. So I, I think what's really going on here is the UFC is not willing to pay Henry more and they're not willing to let connor fight without a crowd. And that's it.
1: No, I agree. I I don't think they logistically can pay connor what he gets without a crowd. I I know it's not it doesn't seem like a huge number, but connor makes a lot of money and that's that's a big gamble to take, you know, just to throw him in there against anyone and just expect it's going to do the same as it would you know with as a normal Connor fight so yeah I, I don't know I I think Henry's problem it's a tale as old as time I mean see Mighty Mouse Johnson the best if not you know top one two fighters of all time just never became a star because people don't like watching little guys fight for whatever reason it's just that's the long and short of it so he can keep moving up weight classes you know, maybe by the time he makes it up to one fifty five or one seventy, someone will care. But you're just—you're not gonna get Conor McGregor money. You know, I don't care how great you are or how many title belts you have. You know, I—I just—I think anyone below one forty five, you're not gonna be a mega superstar, unless it's Sugar Sean five years from now. I think he has a chance to be a mega star, mega mega star. But um yeah and then for Connor, I don't think it's about money. I think Connor, I think the u f c if they wanted to, they could have Connor fight for the b m f belt right now against George Masvidal. It's a belt. it's Connor. You just have to figure out the money that that's all it is. Figure out the money, make it happen. It's gonna be the biggest thing that could happen in sports right now. If Connor McGregor fights on Fight Island, that's gonna be all the sports world is talking about right now, so I don't know why a deal hasn't been done. They've obviously moved on from Jorge fighting you know, for the title fight. Conor's not fighting for the title fight. Why is Conor not booked to fight Jorge or Nate Diaz right now?
0: I don't know. I don't understand. It does not make sense to me. Here's my question. So we both think Conor's going to fight again, right? We don't think the Conor retirement is real. after now that all the info has come out we've seen him on joe rogan you know we've seen him out in the media do you think henry cejudo is going to fight again
1: i think he goes after that 145 belt and he tries to be the first person to get three belts in the ufc which if he is able to do that i mean that's incredible he'll go down as one of the top five fighters of all time and i think it's realistic i don't think those guys are too big, especially Volkanovski. Volkanovski is like 5'6". six. Max Holloway, you know, is taller, but Henry would have a gigantic advantage on the ground. So, you know, I, I think you look at the top one through five at featherweight, and I don't, I don't think it's a stretch that Henry could win that third belt. But again, I, he's not getting Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, John Jones money. It's not happening. He's not a draw. He's not a star. He's a great fighter, but he's just not those. He's not a draw. He's not a star. That's the bottom line.
0: Here's, okay, two things there. Number one, Alex Volkanovsky might be five, six, but that man is thick as a bowl of oatmeal, and it's like fighting a damn fire hydrant. The second thing there, I don't think Henry's fighting again. I, I really think Henry Cejudo is a guy who, when he reaches the apex of the mountain, he moves on and he finds another mountain to conquer. And I think he's just going to move on from MMA. I, I genuinely think he's done. Um, you know, I heard a guy who sounded really satisfied with his legacy. Like, it didn't feel fake at all. Like, it felt he's happy where he's at. And I think he's going to go find something that makes him more money, to be honest.
1: I'll make you a bet. If Henry Cejudo doesn't fight by 2021... I will take you to the next UFC Dallas. Same goes for you. Next time UFC comes to Dallas after the pandemic, one, one year from the date, if Henry Cejudo hasn't fought, the loser's buying.
0: Done. And I want to up the stakes. After that U- next UFC Dallas with fans, Lose, the winner gets to pick the loser's t-shirt on the next podcast episode.
1: <laughs> okay, done, done. Henry Cejudo will fight again. He'll find a way to talk himself into that top. I think he'll fight again at 145. I don't think he'll-
0: To be he'll... clear to the, the list, the dedicated listeners one of year, this podcast- One year from today, is
1: Henry Cejudo's fighting.
0: Henry Cejudo must fight in, in the UFC octagon by June 24th 2021
1: 100%. Write it down. I'm going to write it down somewhere so I don't fuck this up. All
0: right, um next <laughs> Just topic. Don't put it in the Google Doc where you keep all your show notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll lose it. All right. Next topic um all I care about is how hot Rachel Osterbick is. Top 5 hottest UFC fighters of all time. If you have any opinions on that, leave it in the comments but I don't think you can you can fight that. She's a dime piece for sure, but she got popped by the fucking golden stitch, golden snitch. What are you doing, Jeff Novinsky? Come on,
0: come on. Billie same tells, same deal as Sugar Sean. Painted supplement, Osterine. I
1: Maybe mean, that's why her ass is so fantastic because she's on the juice.
0: Come on. <clears throat> Do you think she fights again? Like is is Rachel Ostovich the Anna Kornikova of MMA? She's think... just not she's not that great at MMA. She's just not.
1: All right. Over under I think Rachel Ostovich will be on Pornhub before she fights again.
0: I don't know about that, <laughs> but I don't think she's fighting again and I do think she's going into a modeling career.
1: Modeling, we mean Pornhub. All
0: right. Um, so I think that's it. Me and Billy
1: are wrapping it up. Short week. Well, not really a short week. We went in an hour and four minutes. So we're getting better at uh hitting our time mark. But this week we're gonna try, we're gonna experiment a little bit. We're gonna do a fight breakdown. We're gonna end this episode right now, and then we're gonna go pour a drink, and we're gonna watch Don Fry take on Japanese name Billy.
0: Yeah, this you, one's even uh, tough for me. Yo- Yoshihiro Takayama.
1: Takayama versus Don Fry. American Patriot Don Fry. It's going to be fun. So, we're going to do about a little 10 to 15 minute segment. Uh, drinking whiskey and watching crazy pride fights. So, let's do it. Billy, I'm going to go pour a drink. Everyone else, this is episode 40 of Parker's MMA show. The big 4-0, Billy. We're crushing it. Per normal, everyone like, subscribe, follow, do all the good stuff, and tune into the main event this weekend. This weekend's main event is going to be awesome. Um, Two guys that they go in there and they give it their all. It's going to be a serious, serious fight, action-packed. So everyone check that out. Billy, any closing words for episode 40?
0: Yeah, I want to make it very clear. For all the ridicule I've taken over the many episodes of this show about loving Japanese MMA... Parker is the one who insisted that we watch and break down the Fry-Takayama fight. So, looks like we have a bit of a convert on our hands. Uh, let's let's very get into happy it. happy to see that.
1: Let's get into it. Alright, episode 40. Signing out. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit parkerkeensmmashow.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.